Anything new? No. How's your Christmas party? Uh, it was lame. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was lame. Did you sing Christmas carols over Zoom? No, we played games. <laughs> oh, that sounds even worse. Yeah, well, it's fun in person. It's not so much when you're miles apart. Dance, monkey, dance. Welcome to this week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. Hi, John. Happy holidays. Well, Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <sighs> happy Hanukkah. Is it Happy Kwanzaa or Merry Kwanzaa? It's Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Diwali. Happy Diwali. All of that. Whatever yep. you're into. I hope it's happy. Yeah. It's got to be happy, right? Yes. Because it at on the stroke of midnight on new year's eve it just all magically goes away right oh yeah i mean it's like it, it nothing happens that's that's how that works right you know it, it it'll be like bobby in the shower <laughs> <laughs> everything just goes all dark and then we wake up and we realize we wake that, up that and it's like you know a dream yes <laughs> or the 2020 starts all over again oh no don't say that <laughs> don't say that oh I mean, I guess it could be worse. You could be working for Tom Cruise, I guess. <laughs> so he, okay. So the delivery of his message was extreme. But Jesus Christ, if somebody did that every time walking through Walmart, <laughs> I just totally lashed out at these idiots not wearing the fucking masks. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, imagine how many people would go, oh, shit, better put the mask on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So if you don't know what we're talking about, there was an audio. There was some audio release this week of um, Tom Cruise on the set of Mission Impossible, where I guess he found people on the set not wearing a mask. He saw two people at an editing bay less than six feet apart. Were they wearing masks? Yes. Huh. Okay. Um, in which he, he scolded the entire cast and crew, I guess. Oh yeah. He threatened to have them fired. Um, I understand his point of view. I understand that Hollywood is hurting and that, um, they, they, they are trying to make a movie. I mean, movies are not saving people's lives, but you know, whatever, I, I understand he doesn't want to get shut down because it's the livelihood of all these people. And, and right. I get all that, but, but I don't think he's on the phone with all of Hollywood every night with producers and directors and mission impossible is going to be the metric by which Hollywood gets revived. Like that was a little much. 
Well, yeah, but it's all about ego. I guess. But at the same time, I'm like, you just sound like the dude that you played in Tropic Thunder. Yes. At that point. Mm -hmm. And that's all I could hear as he was yelling was, what's his name in the movie? Les Grossman? Is that? Is that his character? Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. 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 That's all like, that's all I could hear. And you know, he's threatening to fire people and it's, I understand you want to complete your movie and everything is cool. Uh, I just think he, it might've been taken a bit too far. I don't know. But imagine if we sent him to the Senate floor, (laughs) come on. If anybody, yeah. Would finally man up and speak <laughs> like that. Uh, I mean, no, he hasn't played the president, has he? Mm, no. Um. Yeah. I mean, look, it, there's there's always a shot that that you know we should send him up there, see what happens. Um, just send him up there to to read the riot act to everybody. We don't have to elect him to anything. No, 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 no. But but. You know, uh, with all the, you know, the Senate and people all being like, like starry eyed over famous people. Right. That might work for sure. Well, because then they're all going to want to take pictures of with them with their masks off. And he's just <laughs> like, smack them. I said, get away. You're fucking You're fired. Fucking fired. <laughs> You're out of here. <laughs> Pack your shit and go home, Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, somebody needs to do a meme of of Tom Cruise on the phone with Donald Trump and use that footage. Yeah, exactly. Do you think do you think that that Tom Cruise is a Republican or a Democrat, though? He's a Scientologist. I, I, I know. But I what is that? That's different. You don't think that the, that that Scientology skews Republican? Um. It probably does because they're a cult getting tax breaks as a religion, but mm, he's Canadian too. So it doesn't matter. Who? Tom Cruise? Yeah. Oh, he was born in Canada. Okay. Uh, According to Scientology.org, Scientologists are free to hold their own political views. And vote for mm. candidates of their choice. Now that's on the website. Who knows what they're saying behind closed doors when Xenu is in the play? But right. <laughs> yeah. On Politico, there was a a Florida Scientologist that became a huge Trump donor. Uh, what is who is this? Trish Dugan, a wealthy Florida Scientologist. Has become has become one of the GOP's top donors, including giving four million dollars alone to pro Donald Trump super PAC. Oh, okay. So, didn't help him. But whatever. I was going to say that's four million dollars less she has. <laughs> that's great. Give some more. And, okay, so her and her her and her divorced husband. Uh, the Tampa Bay Times reported that in 2019 that the couple had donated more than 360 million dollars to the Church of Scientology. You know what the world could do with $360 million? I know what I could do with it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, I understand where he's coming from. 
I respect the fact that as number one on the call sheet, he's taking it upon himself to, to look out for everybody's job. And I've heard stories about like people who have worked with him a couple of times, years apart. And he comes on set and remembers their name and their family. Yeah. He, he, he obviously cares for what he does, even if he's batshit crazy in his private stuff. <laughs> He's he's passionate about filmmaking. He's passionate about the movies he makes, even if it's Mission Impossible, whatever. But I just thought it was a little weird where he was like, I'm on the phone with Hollywood every night and they're looking to us. It's like there are other productions that are back in full swing. And I don't know whether or not they're they're hanging their hopes on Mission Impossible 31 Mm -hmm. or whatever the hell it is. I don't know. Anyway. But what we really need to talk about. Yes. Is the finale of Mandalorian season two. Uh, amazing. Where would, would, would you say this is the best episode they've done? Like where would oh, you rank this? Oh, it, it hit all the right moments. <laughs> All the big, oh my god! It, it, I have no words. <laughs> this this is definitely felt like a movie, like like a forty five minute movie. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the special effects were on par with anything you'd see in Hollywood today. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, with the exception of maybe one, but we'll get there. Um, one of the things that I find amazing between Favreau and Filoni is the way that they can build tension in a scene. Mm -hmm. There, there is a section in this movie or in this TV show, um, where, the dark troopers are pounding on the door to try to get mm-hmm. to everybody. Uh-huh. And it's two to three minutes of just a shot of a door being hit and then a character face and the door yep. being hit and a character face and the music is sl- slowly swelling up and you're just on the edge of your seat waiting to see what happens. And yeah, I w- I don't know of any other TV show that I've seen recently where I felt like that. I mean, it's really a testament to those guys and to, to, um, Oh, what's his name that directed it? The guy that did Ant-Man. Fuyama. No, no. Peyton. Oswald. No. Whoever that place. (laughs) Peyton place. Peyton place. Love his work. I mean, it just, it was one long, um, action scene for 45 minutes. Yep. Um, you got a lightsaber fight. You got several lightsaber fights. You got, oh my God. Uh, yeah. Um, just the, just the fight between Mandalorian and, um, Gideon and Gideon. Yeah. That's like, oh, so something is stronger than a lightsaber. Well, hmm. well, you know, and they were real, they were real careful to be like, showing the Beskar heating up. Yes. As if like, well, it's not impenetrable. Like it will cut through it eventually. 
Right. But they're not allowing it enough time to heat up to that point. Right. Um, you know, one of, one of the amazing things that they've done this season is give other characters their time on screen. Mm-hmm. And this was another version of that. Like there's that, there's that episode where they go and they raid the base where Mando flies back to go get Grogu and it's just Cara Dune and the blue guy and Grief Karga for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. and he's not on there. Um, this was another thing where like you're following Bo-Katan and Cara Dune and like the girl squad. Yes. Basically wipe out the ship. Oh yeah. And, Badass. And just, yeah, all these strong female characters that are just marching through and destroying everything. And then like the Mandalorian gets his little moment to fight um, um, Moff Gideon. Yep. I mean, Mandalorian has undone what Kathleen Kennedy was trying to set into motion. Well, it's this whole, we're going to, we're going to get, get you past the original trilogy. We're going to create something totally new. That's going to be very relevant and it's going to have a whole new audience and it failed miserably. Right. And now we've got the Mandalorian going, Hey, remember this character? (laughs) Hey, remember what you guys did to Luke Skywalker? We're undoing that. Right. Hey, do you remember what you guys did to Boba Fett? We're undoing that. Mm -hmm. It is, it is. And, and like Kathleen Kennedy set off on this thing to be, you guys are going to have to accept the fact that star Wars is going to be all female driven now. Right. And Dave Filoni and, 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 uh, John Favreau said, no, there can be strong characters of both sexes. Mm hmm. And we're going to prove Which they've that to proven you. time and time again. Yep. I mean, even characters who are just there for an episode, like the magistrate. Yep. Was so well thought out. Yep. There you have an an entire fight between two f- strong female characters. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an amazing piece of television. Yeah. Like uh, truly the the only episode this season that I felt was any kind of filler was that second one where they crash on the ice planet. With the big spiders. With the spiders. Yeah, that was a yeah, that was kind of a wasted opportunity. I don't know why that needed to happen other than to wreck the ship more like maybe that was to make the the loss oh. of the razor crest less i don't know hmm. but yeah there's nothing this year that i was like like everybody joked on the internet of like the mandalorian having to do all these side quests before he gets to the main objective like in a video game right and it's very it was very much like that like i need your help well you have to help me first okay right yeah, definitely. Like th- there was that, but at the end of the day, there was no besides that one, there was no wasted storytelling opportunity. Everything no, no. feeds into each other. And the storytelling is so rich and so detailed that you know, you can have that that sweet little episode with the frog people. Right. That you're like, "Oh, <laughs> You know, you kind of want to know where the frog babies were born, you know? You know, she was apparently in 
uh, season one. I've heard that she's in she's in the cantina apparently. Yes, that's what I had heard. Yeah, I I haven't gone back and watched that one yet, but apparently, like like she was a background character, and they said, "Well, let's write something around that." So, I mean, good on them for being able to do all that stuff. Um, so one of the big reveals in in this as they're building the tension for um towards the end with the, with the dark troopers and you're like, how the hell are they going to get out of this? It took Mandalorian being beat in the head until his head was pushed into the wall. Uh Uh-huh. Like you're like, well shit, how are they going to fight a a squadron of these things? Right. And as soon as the thing beeped and whoever it was, was said an X wing, I got goosebumps. I was like, okay, are they really going to do it? Are they really going to do it? Or is this, you know, somebody else who's gotten a hold of an X-Wing? Or is this, you know, a character that we aren't exposed to yet? Right. But when it was revealed to be Luke and Mark Hamill, how the hell did they keep that a secret? It, it's, it's all a benefit of mostly shooting indoors on a stage. Yeah where nobody has access to the set. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mark's Mark Hamill has been in every single like star Wars thing ever, whether he's doing a voice or whatever. Mm-hmm. He was in the first season of Mandalorian. He's now in the second season of Mandalorian. Yep. Um, but yeah, when they said, when they said a single X wing, great, we're saved. I was like single X wing. Wait a mm-hmm. minute, and you just see that footage of it on the on the security cam, gliding into the hot into the bay. Right, it's like, and, oh my god! And they did they're that gonna thing. Do it. They're going to do it. Where where they didn't they didn't blow the reveal right away. You saw mm-hmm. on a black and white monitor. Yes, a dude in a cloak. Where you you were like, well, obviously that's got to be Luke, but like they're not giving it away. Lightsaber comes out. It's still in black and white. You're like. Okay, maybe it's not Luke. Maybe it's somebody else. And then there's that there's the shot of the green lightsaber and I was like, "Holy shit, it's Luke Skywalker." Mhm. Um they they kind of spit in the face of Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams and said, "This is what Luke is supposed to be like." Mhm. They matched not only um some of Anakin's fighting in episode three, but they also match the Darth Vader hallway scene in rogue one. Yes. Um, which was amazing. Um, I saw something online that said the reason the dark troopers are droids instead of people in suits is because in Canon, Luke has always had an issue with killing people. Mm hmm. So the way that they got around that was the dark troopers are droids. Sure. So you don't have to worry about him killing stormtroopers, but it makes it so that he can be badass and just like pick one up and crush it with the force. Right. Like that last, that last dark trooper where he just like squeezes it into like a little tiny ball uh-huh. and drops it on the floor. I was like, Oh my God. So they reveal Mark Hamill or they reveal Luke Skywalker and it's a, I, I'm, I'm going out on a limb because I haven't seen the making of it yet. 
mm-hmm. and say that it's a deep fake as opposed to a head replacement. Well, that's what a lot of people are saying because they're saying that the deep fake technology is much better than just CGI. What did you feel about how did you feel about the way that his face looked? Uh, I I bought it. I felt I'm I'm of two minds of this. On one hand, I'm really glad that they used Mark Hamill mm-hmm. and his face. On the other, it felt very Tron Legacy to me. There was something uncanny valley about his mouth. You know, I did notice that. It, it the the rest of the I face did looked okay. That it seemed like the sink was off, or it was cut. Yes. Uh, and and so I've watched I've watched the scene a couple of times. I've watched it a couple of times on my big TV, where I where I can see that the the mouth is not quite right. Mm-hmm. In a couple of shots, he looks kind of dead in the eyes. Like there's. There's definitely sure. something rubbery about him in those shots. But I've wa- I've also watched it on my phone. Okay. And on my phone, it looks fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And I don't know whether or not my brain has just gotten past it and and is now like, well, it's Mark Hamill. Just deal with it. Mhm. Um but I was also one of those people when Rogue One came out that I never caught that Tarkin looked as bad as everybody said he did. Right. Like I sat there in the theater going, holy shit, that's, that's grandma Tarkin on the screen. Mm -hmm. Like what the fuck? How did, how did they do that? Did they get somebody and just make him put him in makeup? Like, um, but going forward, if Luke is going to be a part of this story, I don't know whether they should go this route. No, I kind of feel like they, they, they did it to prove a point, but to do, and and there's rumors now that they're developing a Luke Skywalker series. Okay, so that remains to be seen, but that sounds like the perfect opportunity to transition to another actor like Sebastian Stan. Yeah, and that that's what I was gonna say, like. People were talking about, well, if Luke does show up, it's not going to be like on a TV budget. Can you de-age somebody? Well, and that's one of the the things that's brought up in this article on Fandom Wire about this Luke Skywalker series is that by going with a new actor, it's less expensive than the de-aging that they've done. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. And it's and it's still got a lot of imperfections. It's not perfect. I mean, if it were perfect then yeah, no question. Yeah. And, and if they could get somebody like Sebastian Stan, mm-hmm. who, if you've seen the boss logic pictures of him dressed up as Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. he looks close enough to where you could get around. Like it's all the same universe. Sure. It's the same guy. Like, I don't I I can't see anybody else in Hollywood right now that would make a better Luke Skywalker than him. No, not at all. If you're going to go with with this version of Luke when he's at his most powerful, mm-hmm. you've got to get somebody that can handle that. And and I think Sebastian Stan could. I really do. Yeah. 
I can't see him really turning that down either. A chance to be fucking. Oh God, no. Yeah, no, not at all. So yeah, um, I'm really happy they did it. I'm I'm glad that they were able to give Mark Hamill at least one more turn as a Luke that kicks ass. It's a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He hasn't turned his back on anything. It really mm-hmm. feels like whoever is in charge is pulling away from the the uh, Kathleen Kennedy thing and mm-hmm. kind of writing a different future for Star Wars. Yeah. Like, here's three movies, but that's only one possibility. Right. And if we're if we're following the Mandalorian timeline, that might be a different future. Mm-hmm. I just being that they're going to bring in Grand Admiral Thrawn and all this other stuff, like I don't see how that connects to the First Order. The no, I I'm not sure how they could possibly tie that in. Um, because it just wouldn't make sense. No, it it just would not make sense. I think that Disney sees what Star Wars can be now. Oh yeah, God! I think it, I, it broke the freaking internet. Yeah, come I, on! I think everything that the Mandalorian has become, and the the the, f- the cultural phenomenon that it is, mm-hmm. with Grogu and bringing back all these characters and seeing the f- the fan reaction online has got to have Disney being like, what did we do? Mm-hmm. Why did we not start here? And then transition somehow. I mean... I'd love to know what the relationship was between Filoni and Marshall that he was pretty much relegated to doing animation. Well, he came from animation. Well, yeah, I know. But I mean, that's all he branched out into. And then all of a sudden he gets this opportunity to do Mandalorian and he just knocks it out of the park. Well, he, he in the round table thing, um, on Disney plus the, the gallery, whatever Mm -hmm. thing he talked about, like getting the call from George Lucas at one point when they were doing clone wars and he was like, clone war like like i'm an animator like what i don't understand and you know he's he's a super fan Mm -hmm. and if you've if for anybody out there who has never seen that interview where he will tell you about the actual journey of anakin skywalker Mm -hmm. to the point where you're like i'm now see that the prequels in a whole different light like that's how far down the rabbit hole he goes Right. And he gets that because he spends hours upon hours talking to Lucas Mm -hmm. of the lore and how does this connect? And what did you ever, did you ever consider this? And all of that stuff comes straight from being a fan and being, having access to the creator. And I don't know if, if I, I can't remember, was it Filoni that had the idea and they brought in Favreau to, to kind of mentor him or I don't remember what the story was. Yeah. I don't either. But, um, 
you know, I think those two guys together could be unstoppable for Star Wars. Oh, like hell yeah. If Disney is not looking at replacing Kathleen Kennedy with one of those two guys, I don't know if Favreau would do it just because he's going to want to do other projects at some point. But hand the keys to that kingdom to Filoni and let him just do whatever the fuck he wants. And he's going to make you a whole shitload of money. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine what a spectacle Star Wars celebration will be once we are able to, like, get oh next to each other? Yeah. I mean, how it, it it's got to be a freaking three month event. <laughs> <laughs> I because mean, it's become so huge. I mean, people talk about you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I mean, look at Star Wars. And and there are reports that Kevin Feige is involved on a very down low level. Yeah. That at one point it was rumored that he was working on a movie for star Wars. Mm -hmm. But I think what they brought him in for was how to connect a universe on television Mm -hmm. and how do you keep that all straight? Sure. And I think that this is the culmination of that. I think, um, one of, one of the strangest things that I saw after this, and we, we haven't talking about the end credit scene yet, which we will in a minute, Mm -hmm. but, the the guy that's in the suit a lot of the time, one of the stunt performers, um, Brandon Wayne, mm-hmm. which is John Wayne's grandson, mm-hmm. made a point of coming out and being like, Pedro Pascal will return. Right. Which I thought was a really odd thing to do. Um, just because Mandalorian season three had already been announced. Mm hmm. There wasn't like I don't. It, it was just a, an odd call, as if like they were trying to through him be like, "I know what you read, but don't don't." And he even ends it with, "Don't believe everything you read." Right. But like, if you read Pedro's thing on Instagram, it felt like he was saying goodbye. He was like, you know, it's been an incredible journey. Thank you to all these people and the, the cast and crew need to take a bow. And it was like, and this was after the Brendan Wayne thing. And I was like, what the hell? Mm. Um, but I think with him, he, he keeps saying, uh, Pedro keeps saying that he has been told that he's going to wind up on these other shows too. Right. He's going to he's going to make an appearance on Ahsoka Tano and he's going to make an appearance on the Rangers of the Republic. So I feel like with those things happening, that is in direct correlation with Faggy coming in and being like, well, this is how you get everybody hyped up. Mm-hmm. And this is how you're going to you're going to bring everything together. And the one of the ways they did that is with through the end credit scene of this episode. Right. Where we find ourselves back on Tatooine mm-hmm. at Jabba the Hutt's palace mm-hmm. in a perfectly recreated throne room set. Very much the way you've seen it in the movie and Gamorrean guards going up the stairs and being shot and falling down mm-hmm. the stairs. And you're like, oh, okay. 
What is this? Oh, it's Fennec Shan. What is going on? Mm-hmm. And you find Bib Fortuna on the throne. A very wide Bib, Bib big Fortuna. Fit, big fat Bib Fortuna. <laughs> Which, uh, he's on the sail barge. I would like to know how he survived. Well, um, it's not canon, I don't believe, but there was a series of books that were kind of um, exploring minor characters and kind of giving them their own story. Okay. Um, one was called Tales of Jawa's, Tra- uh, Jawa's Palace. Okay. Um, um, after he survived the explosion... He goes back to the the palace with the intent of taking over Jabba's empire. There was a fight over Jabba's possessions um, that Fortuna won. Okay. But then there was, I don't know if you, you remember this character. It was kind of like a spider droid with a sack of something living in it. It was called Bomar Monks. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a religious thing right that they were the original inhabitants of Jabba's palace yeah so apparently the the Bomar monks come out of the cellars and he removes Fortuna's brain from his body and places it in one of the spider droid walkers oh but Fortuna was still able to communicate with another Twi'lek um organizing the collection of all of Jabba's riches and stuff and eventually had his brain planted in the body of another um, Twi'lek. Oh, okay. Now, that's that's not canon. Right. So, you know, there's, there's I'm not saying that what we saw killed there was, was a different body, but, um, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, and another attention to detail, he's holding the staff that came with his action figure mm-hmm. back in the 80s. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, so, it was, oh my God, so cool. So they, we find him on the throne and down walks Boba Fett mm-hmm. and, and <clears throat> Bib Fortuna's like scrambling. Oh, I thought you were dead. I heard rumors mm-hmm. and then Boba kills him and then sits on the throne and yep. Fennec Shan sits next to him. And then we get the book of Boba Fett. Yep. Coming in December. Now, there was some confusion because they had announced that Mandalorian would also premiere um, in December of next year. Right. So people were like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Well, I was one of them. I couldn't figure out why they would do that. The The book thing, because the Mandalorian is told in chapters. Mm hmm. I am like a lot of people were like, well, maybe the next season will be chapters in the story of Boba Fett before we go back to Din and Grogu. Mm-hmm. But apparently they announced today that it's going to be a standalone miniseries. So like four episodes and it's produced by not only Dave Filoni and John Favreau, but also Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. which I thought is very cool because he directed the the um, the episode where Boba Fett basically gets his armor back and kicks ass. Mm-hmm. Um, he's another huge Star Wars fan. So 
I feel like they're bringing in all these people now to be like, who's your favorite character? Yeah. Let's do something with them. And even if it's a mini series, even if that was, well, and what they we can, got. it can be a limited series. Yeah. This could be, you know, eight episodes and then we're done. Yeah. You know, wrap, wrap up the story of this character and leave it open to, for them to come back mm-hmm. at some point and just be like, okay, here's the mini series. But maybe maybe Din will come back um, and need Boba Fett's help at some point. Mm-hmm. Like that's all within that realm now. And you know, people are saying um, Din now has a new mission. He he has promised to help Bo Katan retake Mandalore, mm-hmm. and being what happened with the dark saber, which has a lot of people confused because if you've watched the clone wars and at rebels, Bo-Katan just takes the dark saber from Previsla, whoever it was. Yeah. And doesn't fight. So now that that needs to be a thing, but like Dave Filoni is in charge of both things. So obviously there's an in story reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't see Disney um, turning its back on its major cash cow of Grogu. No, but I think they have to be very careful how they proceed. Okay. It can't be too cute. It can't become Alf. <laughs> it's got to be intelligently planned and thought out. Well, but like I can't really see them <clears throat> like leaving leaving him at um Luke Skywalker's training thing the entire the Skywalker season. Jedi Training Academy? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I I can't I can't see that for the entire season. Yeah. Because they're going to want they're they're not going to wait until the Luke Skywalker show gets developed. They're not going to wait until season four of the Mandalorian to bring mm-hmm. back the cash cow. Right. I, I gotta, I gotta imagine that maybe the battle for Mandalore is the first couple of episodes and then he goes to find Grogu cause he misses him. I don't know. Mm, okay. I mean, he's now taken his helmet off for Grogu. Everybody in that uh, uh, yeah. thing he's has now first, seen his face. The first living creature that is has touched his face in years yeah so here's an interesting thing i i don't know if you saw this there there was a theory that so we know that grogu grew up in the in the jedi academy or the the jedi temple temple on coruscant Mm -hmm. somebody um put up a picture of the ball that grogu likes to play with off of the mandalorian ship Okay. It's a silver ball with a blue top. Uh huh. And somebody put that next to the head of R2 D2. D2. Mm hmm. And the fact that it's a silver dome with a blue top. Mm hmm. And does Grogu know R2 D2? Grogu seems to be very happy to see R2 D2. And R2 is very happy to see him. Uh huh. So. Could it be that they have planted 
that nugget as far back as season one, like episode two or three. Sure. That that he that the entire time, like like he's reaching for a friend and that friend just happens to be R2D2. Mm-hmm. Like that is crazy mm-hmm. that that could actually be a thing. Well, and is R2-D2 the one who saved him from Order 66? Possibly. See? I mean, we don't know where... Where does R2 end up? R2 ends up with Luke on... Must, not Luke, with Anakin on Mustafar. Mm-hmm. But you never see where he is during the attack on the temple. No. See, I I wonder if they're going to tie that in. There was talk about the Obi-Wan Kenobi um, TV show Mm -hmm. with showing the actual Order 66 attack on the Jedi Temple from the the point of view of Anakin. And I wonder if there's going to be something where he's wondering where R2 is and you come to find out a different show that it was R2 that got Grogu out. That would be an interesting concept. That, that would be an amazingly cool thread to, to put through all of these shows. Well, and, and Lucas's original idea was that all of these stories are tied together by the droids. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just phenomenal. I mean, it is one of those things like when I saw Luke and he comes in and he's he's talking about how like he's he needs to be trained. My mind never entered the idea that R2-D2 was going to roll into that room. Mm -hmm. And when he did, it was like, oh, my God, now we've got R2. And like it's almost the perfect episode oh i i on yes <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean it was it was like being a kid again it's like yeah. oh my god they're gonna do it they're gonna do it <laughs> i'm very happy that they didn't sacrifice boba fett for something yes that everybody did survive will he survive his own tv show i don't know i would hope that mm-hmm. he does I think he's too popular of a character to sacrifice in that way. Yeah. I thought they were going to sacrifice the other, the, the other night owl that gets shot by Gideon. When he, he takes the blaster, uh-huh. he fires at her and she like hits the floor and then he goes to fire Grogu and Mando jumps in front of him. Yes. Um, I thought that was going to be the sacrifice, but apparently he only hit her in the best car. So uh, there's something about like Imperials not knowing how to shoot because they can't hit anything. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good shit about this, this series. I mean, if you're not watching Mandalorian and you're a sci-fi person, I don't know. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not a fan of, the sequels or whatever you got to give this a chance because this, this pretty much undoes what the sequels did to a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I would, I would, I think it would be interesting too if, if they do a Luke Skywalker TV show, they bring back the dude that played Han in the solo movie. Alden Ehrenreich? Yeah. Let him have a little bit more time as Han. Hmm. Okay. Um, and do Sebastian Stan as Luke and have them come then in. They make a buddy movie. Yeah, sure, why not? They could they could do they could totally go off on a tangent and do all of the old Marvel nineteen eighties Star Wars comic book stuff. <laughs> there you go. That would be interesting. But I mean, it just it's there's so much rich opportunity now. There's so mm-hmm. much stuff that's that's in place that they could bring back. They get the dude that plays Chewbacca. Yep. You know, all of that stuff could still be around. Bring Anthony Daniels out of mothballs for C-3PO's voice. You know, whatever. Sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, they got the other dude that does protocol droids, so... You know, Chris Bartlett. Yeah, let him do that. Who's married to a friend of ours. Yep. Yep. Let him do that. Let let him the, let Anthony Daniels do the voice. You know, he doesn't have to leave England. It's fine. Sure. Um. You know, and I think I think Disney's starting to see that potential. And it's it'll be a nice change of pace. It is it is funny when you see those memes of like uh JJ Abrams where he's he's like, Well you can't make a you can't make something that appeals to the old audience and a new audience. Mm-hmm. And then there's the picture of Favreau and it's like hold my beer. Right. And it's just like, yeah, I mean it's it, it they have totally cracked this. And it it's because they listened to George Lucas. Yeah. They didn't write their own thing. They went and they consulted him. And they said, you know, what, how would you approach this? Mm -hmm. And he told them. And just like, you know, I, I truly feel that out of all the movies that have come out since the Disney purchase, that Rogue One is the best of those. And it's because John Knoll, who came up with the idea, went to Lucas and said, I have this idea. How do I flesh this out? Mm hmm. It all stems back to George Lucas. Whether you like the prequels or not, you have to understand that George is the father of this and George knows what's best. Well, and we kind of know that in terms of the sequels, George was basically, you know, told to fuck off. Yep. Yep. So now look what's happened. You know, it it's kind of like a big, hey, you know, told you so. It's, it's vindication. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, when you hear about, um, what little he said about like his scripts that are his, his, the, the things that he gave Disney yep and said, I'd like you to make these. And they said, great. And then threw them in the trash. Like why they would ever do that. Why they would turn their back on the dude that was, that sold them the franchise. Sure. I'll, I'll never understand. Well, it's like, why, why would you tell JK Rowling that, okay, yeah, we've paid you. You can go away now. We're going to take this over. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, it's not done. It just blows my mind that they would, that they would do that. But 
Mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy that Star Wars is back. We're we're gonna get over the next couple of years. We're gonna get a ton of new Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't imagine. Like this, this is what Disney Plus was designed for, and they they need to carry through on this and churn out some really good stuff. Sure. They need to keep it up. They can't let their guard down. No. They can't dismiss any property and relegate it to, you know, second tier directors and producers and showrunners and stuff. They've got to stay on top of the game. Yeah. Yep. Then... And this this is the future. You know? I mean I mean Disney has said that they feel that their future is in streaming. Mm-hmm. So Throw enough well, money I mean, we've it. said it. We've said it before that the the movie theater industry needs some kind of major overhaul. Yeah, and it doesn't have any direction. It's not being reimagined as something that's better or um, more accessible. You know, you have these little things that pop up like Alamo Draft House and um, you know the movie theaters that have beds and have couches and that have a play place and. <laughs> That you're not fixing the problem. The problem is how do you make that shared experience better? Right. Right. And and we talked about um did we talk about Chris Nolan a couple of weeks ago? Being mad? Uh yes. Yes. So another a, another few directors have come out. Um Denise Villeneuve mm-hmm. who has is having Dune put on um HBO Max is all pissed off about it. Patty Jenkins was a little pissed about Wonder Woman. Yeah. So, and, and I feel like, especially in the case of uh, Denise Villeneuve, like he he is now making reboots of movies. Like, mm-hmm. as much as I don't totally like all of Christopher Nolan's movies their original movies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he wants you to see tenant in the, in the theater on the big screen, even though okay. like big, the, the big screen stuff only lasts for two weeks or whatever and how it shouldn't be a, a home experience, except that it is like, right. Uh, after you see it in the theater, it's going to be a home experience. Sure. And it's become so much more, um, it's so much better. But so much closer to a theater experience yeah. and you're not getting ripped off on $20 popcorn and a soda. Right. You're not sitting next to somebody who's taking their shoes off. You're not sitting behind some, you know, kids on date night who are throwing popcorn over your head. And you can afford to buy a, a nice, you know, 70 inch TV or more. Right. For less than you'd spend taking your family to the movies for, you know, six months. Right. Exactly. And so he's all pissed off and it's like, well, look, you made Blade Runner 2049 and I really enjoyed Blade Runner because I was a a fan of the original, Mm -hmm. but you really have to be a fan of the original to appreciate 2049. I've seen, I've, I've talked to people who have watched it who are casual, like, oh, I liked Blade Runner, but it's not one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. Watch 2049 said it's like the same thing. And I'm like, it was okay. Yeah. And now he's making Dune, which looks like an exact 
retelling of um the the original one mm-hmm. he should just be happy that it's being presented to a wider audience at this sure point. you know patty jenkins i i i understand a little bit of her frustration simply because her movie was supposed to come out in may and then they pushed it to august and then they pushed it to october and then they pushed it to december and yeah, they're still doing a theatrical release, but it's going to go on on the same day onto HBO Max. There's frustration there, but like Zack Snyder, who I guess is now like the HBO Max poster boy, basically was like, "Hey, we're going to do like a a virtual um, red carpet for you." And they're bringing back Fandom, and it's going to be a virtual red carpet for Wonder Woman, I guess, Christmas Eve or something. I don't know when that's taking place. Yes, that's I something like that. I mean, that's like tomorrow by the time people are hearing this. But, um, you know, it seems like with the news of the streaming stuff and the TV shows and the fact that Marvel is now renegotiating contracts to include streaming or whatever. Um, I feel like there's enough online stuff that they can do like virtual red carpets where, Hey, look, everybody can attend, mm-hmm. not just the people that stand out and, and wait for these people to pass by. You can do something extremely special for the fans of wonder woman. Sure. And, Making you can experience. you can do talkbacks for hundreds of thousands of guests at one time, right? That you're not sleeping out on the sidewalk at Comic Con just to see you know Ryan Johnson talk about the the sequels or something. It's right. you you can make this accessible, and I think that's what they need to understand is the accessibility of the product. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, we've seen it with these, these, um, you know, direct to video rentals now, you know, like the, the Crudes 2 and Scooby Doo and, you know, all that shit that, I mean, there's, there's a market. Absolutely. So why are you ignoring it? And, and, you know, I mean, you can hold fan lotteries to do, you know, a, a 15 minute session, you know, you and, 50 of your friends talking to the rock or something. (laughs) I mean, it's so possible these days that you're not worrying about specific locations when it comes to, you know, Oh, the movie premiere is going to be here and it's going to be fantastic. And it's going to be really, you know, really immersively themed. And, you know, it's like, but I can see that from my couch. Right. And, and And I I prefer seeing things from my couch these days. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what the, the, um, the contracts look like when, when you're a movie star mm-hmm. and you know, you're paid for the movie, you're paid $20 million to be in a movie. Does that include the red carpet stuff or do you get paid extra for that? Like, sure. Like, well, it depends on your contract. Right. So, so with all that stuff, um, you know, you always hear about how everybody hates to do press junkets because it's the same thing. Mm hmm day after day in a hotel room and they ask the same questions 
And now, like I've, I've now heard, you could do it all at once. Well, and I've heard interviews with people who were like, um, I was listening to an interview with um, Carl Urban, and he was talking mm-hmm. about when the season two of The Boys premiered, and he and they were in lockdown in New Zealand, and he goes, "I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to get on a plane. They they sent me a camera and a background, mm-hmm. and I set it up." And I rolled out of bed. I sat in a chair. I answered a couple of questions. I did that for a day. And I was back home with my family. He goes, I would much prefer from now on if we do it this way. So you've got all these people in positions where you can say, hey, we're not doing this anymore. You need to find a new way. And this is the way. Like COVID has opened this up to where we can do this all from home now. Yeah. And let's do it all from home because it's not worth going to six different countries to do these premieres for this movie. Just Mm -hmm. do it, do it all virtually. And you're right. You, you could like do amaze things and have people donate to, you know, win the chance to talk to your favorite celebrity for this. Sure. You know, and just and do it that way. And I really I, I'm really hoping that this is a change in Hollywood to make this all more accessible. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted well, the, o- the only that. way Hollywood is going to change is if they see how much money they can make. Right. Because they're not doing it for the art. They're not doing it to to further in a, you know, a creative form of expression. They're doing it for money. Right. Plain and, and that's what that's what the United States is all about these days. It's all about how much money I can get out of your pocket without you really knowing it. Right. Hasbro does that to me every Mando Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, there, there are ways to, to, to harvest that. You've just got to figure out what it is. You know, maybe, maybe it's a, you know, a, a dinner and a movie promo for something you know right start start throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks because going back to the theater i don't have really have an interest in going back to the theater no yes there are must experience gigantic films but at least for me the experience of going to a movie is so diminished and oftentimes so unenjoyable yeah. that I would just as soon, you know, watch it on my TV. I can watch it in bed. I can watch it in the living room. I can watch it laying buck naked on the couch. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean. Th- th- yeah, I mean, I in this day and age, um I really want the the opportunity to see a movie on opening weekend and not have to go to a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not left out in any of the conversation online or any of that shit. I mean, for the last eight weeks, I have stayed off the internet on Fridays because people can't keep their mouths shut about The Mandalorian. Yep. Um, if an Avengers movie comes out and I can't get tickets to a theater, I would like to be able to watch that on Friday night at home with my family. 
if, mm-hmm. even if I got to pay 30 bucks to do it or whatever. I think that that needs to be an option. And I think, I think coronavirus and COVID-19 have showed us that it is a viable outlet. If they, if they had taken the movies that were ready to be released and put them on pay-per-view mm-hmm. and some of them did this, but I'm talking about the big ones. If they had put tenant on pay-per-view 30 bucks on opening weekend, I think it would have made a lot more money than it did. Sure. Because there was enough people that were interested, but said, I'm not going to a movie theater to see it. Now that it's on video that people are talking all, all about it. Right. Oh, this is great. Like you need to see this. Well, what if that word of mouth had been opening weekend and it had been, you able to go onto your, your, um, your TV and just pull it up. Mm-hmm. I don't think Chris Nolan would be complaining about it then, but I don't know. I, I just, I think, and I think that goes for wonder woman too. If they had put that on pay-per-view instead of HBO max, mm-hmm. think of the money they could have made beforehand, still put it on HBO max on Christmas, but re- have released it in September. Like, come on. There are enough fans that are willing to pay that money to do it. Because fucking, what was it, Trolls 2 made like $30 million. Mm-hmm. On like opening weekend. That's Trolls 2. Right. Like, what the fuck, man? And I don't care what Disney says. Nobody paid 30 bucks to see fucking Mulan. No. Because I watched that piece of shit. That that didn't get 30 bucks from anybody. And is anybody talking about it now still? No. So there you go. I mean, I'm sure when that pops up on Disney Plus, people are still gun shy if they click on it, whether or not they're going to get charged $30. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing on there that's like, you know, when it first premiered, it was like premiere access. It still pops up, but it doesn't say that. But you know, the average person might not think that it's free now. Sure. You know, so I think that there's definitely a space for that. Um, you know, if, if Warner brothers was going to put up their slate and I guess they're banking on people, um, subscribing to HBO max. Yeah. Which I mean, it's, it's, 65 bucks or 60, 70 bucks for six months or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, th- they probably figured out what the price of a ticket would be. And if you're going to watch the entire slate, how much money that kicks back or whatever. Um, that's that, but that's one movie a month for the average individual. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's a new model. It's, it's, it's just ripe to be taken advantage of, but then there's going to be so much competition that you weaken it. Well, and you, you keep know, people you get entertained quitty. at home, right? You keep people entertained and in their houses, not going out. Well, you know, all these idiots are going to go, go out anyway, but you get those people that are like, you know, we're stuck at home. We want to be entertained. Oh, well, Hollywood's stepping in and, and here's a whole bunch of new releases that we had ready to go. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I don't know. I know that there was some weird thing with Warner brothers and AMC where AMC was all up in arms because, um, it was violating their contract. So I don't know what kind of contract they like, um, theaters and studios have with each other in those instances. Things change. Yeah, exactly. The the whole dynamic has changed. There's got to be something in there that says, if we want to change this, we can. But, you know, these are the same people who are going to argue that when you fire the CEO for, you know, corporate fraud, you still have to pay out their bonuses because of the contract. Right. It's like, contracts can be broken. (laughs) Just get over it. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know we've talked about this a lot, but I really do think that with, with them talking about like, you're going to have to wear a mask until like 20 late 2021. Mm-hmm. Like things aren't going to go back to normal for a while. I, I truly think that anything that's in production now needs to seriously look at the new release way yep so that they can make some money because i want sequels to some of this stuff Mm -hmm. and i know that like the way that hollywood acts is that oh if you don't do well in the first two days you're not getting a sequel right i just think that they need to, to start looking at it differently well and those movies that do go to sequel often have weak returns because the sequel's not as good as the original. Right. So even the playing field. Yeah. Yep. More mass appeal to more people and just let it go. Yep. I don't know. It's, it's a good time to be a science fiction fan. Um, you know, between all the Star Wars stuff, um, I don't know. Did did you ever watch um, The Expanse? No, not yet. The Expanse is really good. Like that's mm-hmm. that's really good sci-fi television. Um, I'm now working my way through um, Orphan Black. Okay, it's good. I think I I might have burned myself out on Mr. Robot. Okay, because I blew through that. And now I'm starting another series that has like four seasons. So okay. I'm not, it's now the show is good, but it's, it's feels like more of a slog now. Mm. And I just think that maybe I burn myself out on Mr. Robot and I jumped into this too quickly. Okay. Um, but that's really good sci-fi. Like all the best sci-fi seems to be on television now. Even Star Trek Discovery in season three yeah. has turned their shit around and at, like it's now an enjoyable show to watch. Cool. So there's tons of sci-fi out there. You're going to get a world of it on Disney plus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really good um, sci-fi on um, Netflix and all those other streaming stuff. So it's definitely a good time to be a geek. Sure. And people definitely need something to escape into. Yeah. So I'm excited. 
Yay. Yeah. You know what I'm excited about? What? We just got the announcement that there's going to be a reboot of Night Course. Oh, I saw that. Starring John Larroquette coming back as Dan Fielding. Right. And opposite a new actress who's playing Harry Stone's daughter. Right. Since since he's no longer with us. Yeah. And I suppose Marky Post needs work. So. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an interesting idea, I guess, in the in the world of TV reboots and um, strange sequels. It makes sense of something coming back from the 80s like that. But I don't know how they're going to handle it because it was so sexually inappropriate and yep. anti me too. Yes. Oh yeah. It's like how you know it'd be like trying to bring back Three's Company. It's like <laughs> how do you make Three's Company relevant? It was a sex comedy. Uh, yeah, and and you know Dan Fielding for anybody who hasn't seen Night Court was the misogynist of the group who did nothing but try to sleep with women. Yep. Um. I mean, it was funny at the time. Sure. It, but, but you watch it now and it's it's cringeworthy. It's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, there was an entire episode where his best friend from high school comes back and he's now a woman. Yep. And it was so wrong for today's world. Yep. It's like, oh, my God, that is so bad. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's a product of its time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I did. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in that. Night Court was one of those TV shows when I was growing up that was always on our TV. Yep. Um, Channel 5 in the New York market um, around 5 o'clock would start with Night Court and then MASH and then what was after that? Three's Company maybe? Something like that. But it was all reruns of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so... I think I've seen every night court. I think I've seen every, well, I know I've seen every mash. Right. Um, but yeah, the night court is definitely a product of its time. So it will be interesting to see how they transfer that into today. It's going to be a hard get right now. Right. You know, I mean, how do you turn this character who is just this lecherous womanizer and not, make him this sad 74 year old man who's trying to relive his past conquests, you know, unless, unless it's, it's a 74 year old man who is, sees the era of his ways and has to make amends for all the shit that he's done. I don't know how you turn that into a comedy, but yeah, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it, they will make it relevant to the me too and the, you know, today's stuff. Yeah. It's going to be weird. I mean, in a world where they were able to make a really good show based on karate kid. And Mm -hmm. from what I understand, like I hear really good things about the save by the bell thing. Yeah. That's on Peacock. Yeah, I don't plan on watching that. Well, I I have a friend that actually has Peacock and he's watching it and and he said, "Do you know how you know how you feel about Karate Kid or or Cobra Kai?" 
And I said, yeah, yeah it's better than it should be. And he said, that's okay. exactly the thing with Saved by the Bell. Okay. So if they can turn those shows or those things into good shows, maybe they can do that with the Dan Fielding thing. Hmm. It's possible. It's possible. Um, I also found the Mad About You revival is now on Prime. Oh, is it? Yeah. And? Um, it's another one of those shows where the supporting cast is much funnier than the stars. Oh. And it's pretty much got is most of them back. Richard Kind is back. Of course. Um, John Pankow, who played his cousin, is back. Um, there are a couple of cameos. Okay. Um, it was entertaining. It was enjoyable. Um, Helen Hunt has done some horrible things to her face. I don't understand it. I don't understand why women feel they need to do this. Um, but over, over all of the little nitpicky things, it still worked. Okay. And there was a lot of serious stuff in this that now that their daughter has gone away to school, um, they're kind of going through some some marital issues because now um, they're not raising the kids, so there's nobody there that needs their constant attention. Mm-hmm. But they've kind of drifted apart. Okay. So I mean, there's there's one great episode where they they think they're going to marriage counseling, but end up going to the wrong conference room and end up. Um, totally unaware to them that they're at a team building seminar for real estate partners. <laughs> okay. And Gene Smart plays the the uh, the uh, the host character, and she's hilarious. But this whole thing is that they they don't realize that they're in the wrong spot. They're they're buying into all of this you know, team building and communication and working with each other and listening and, you know, not realizing that it's the wrong thing. And then it turns out that they, they had grabbed, they'd seen the name tags on the table that were kind of their name, but kind of misspelled. (laughs) Okay. So at the end, they run into that couple who do have that misspelled last name who did go to the marriage seminar (laughs) And they're like, can you imagine being the idiot staying through the entire seminar and not knowing it's the wrong one? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's worth a watch. Okay. And it's long. It's, it's like 12 episodes. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. It's 12 episodes. They're all about 27 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of funny stuff. It's, 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 it's this whole nostalgia thing. Like 4.3 stars out of 5. Yeah. Prime. Okay. Yeah, I mean they they didn't replace anybody who didn't make it back. Okay. So like the actress who played Paul's mother is still alive, so she was there, but the father, the actor who played the father was passed and he, you know, he was passed. Okay. Um so yeah, I mean it's I think it's worth checking out. Okay. You know, they updated the theme song a little bit. <laughs> well, that's good. But yeah, I mean, it was it was well done. But again, it's it's one of those shows where it's like the supporting cast is is 
I don't know if they're given so much better material and, you know, Helen and Paul Reiser are just kind of the, the, the foils, the straight men. Right. Um, but the, I mean, all of it, I mean, the, um, John Pankow who plays the cousin has now married an Italian chef and they have a restaurant and in, in New York city. And, um, he knows a little Italian and she knows a little English (laughs) and there's just this great chemistry between them. Okay. And the girl who plays the daughter is kind of, eh, (laughs) but she's not really important to the story either. Okay. But yeah, you should check it out. I think you might like it. Okay. And then something that's coming up on BBC America um, next week, January 3rd, is um, another Terry Pratchett series called The Night Watch. Okay. Terry Pratchett, who did Good Omens with Neil Gaiman. Um, this is from Terry Pratchett's Discworld series. Okay. Which is, I mean, his novels are all about world building and all about um, things we take for granted. Um, I remember there was one one book where there, there's two stories simultaneously in each one of his novels. Okay. And um, some of the characters are the the uh, the wizards who teach at the unseen university. So it's kind of like a Hogwarts, but they're not that bright. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like this entire book where where these things keep appearing out of nowhere and they can't they can't get rid of them and they don't know where they belong and they're taking over the place and they're running around the parking lot and the hallways <laughs> and you finally realize that they're talking about shopping carts <laughs> and it's it's just very clever very clever so night watch is kind of like the the local militia of this town that's part of his mythology and um it looks interesting nice okay yeah it looks interesting i think you might like it okay so those are my recommendations for the new year sweet sweet yeah we've got one more show next week before the new year before the new year so ding dong we'll see what's what's going on as far as like what's coming up and Mm -hmm. what you might be excited for yeah. Um, but yeah. Get this fucking year over with. Totally agree. Moving on. Bigger, better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Very uh, much so. Yeah. All right. Well, you have anything else for this week? No, I think that's good. Okay. Well, we hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. I think Hanukkah is already over, but um, it is. Yeah. Sorry. We didn't say it earlier. Um, hope everybody's safe and, you know, don't travel if you don't have to. Um, wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at info at dancemonkeypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Let us know you're listening. So until next week, this is Chris. This is John. Have a good week. God bless us, everyone.